For any size gift before Ash Wednesday, February 14th, we'll send you my 2024 Lenten devotional booklet. Make a secure online donation at thewordendoors.org or make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And we'll send you my new devotional book for Lent, By Your Holy Cross. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Even though the apostle was locked up, the word of God was not at all bound. It was free, and it went on doing its freeing work right under Caesar's own nose. The word of the Lord endures forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Colossians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Our previous podcast moved into the Table of Duties section of Colossians, in which Paul briefly unpacked the way the new life in Christ impacts various relationships, domestic and work-related. What happens when the heavenly leaven of the kingdom of God is introduced into the home and the workplace? Well, he started with wives, urging submission to their husbands as what is fitting in the Lord. Because he's being brief here, he only hits a major issue for each vocation. With wives, it was submit, as in cease trying to be the neck that turns the head. Husbands were specifically told that they needed to love their wives, to give them consideration and not to be self-consumed. They were also exhorted not to be harsh. Remember the old, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Children were exhorted to obey their parents in everything and we're told that this pleases the Lord Jesus. Remember then substituting because it pleases Jesus for because I said so, that's why. Fathers were warned not to be provocative with their children, always picking at them so that they get discouraged. Bond servants were told to remember that they're serving the Lord Christ and to let that show in the way they operate it, whether their masters were present or not. The reason why? It's because you literally work heartily as for the Lord and not for mere men, and so you're always cognizant of the inheritance that awaits you, the reward from the Lord. Paul concluded the chapter there with the warning that the all-seeing eye of the Lord will pay back the wrongdoer for whatever he's done, and that with Jesus, there is no playing favorites, no partiality, no respect of persons. A reading from Colossians, the fourth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
Colossians 4, verses 1 through 6. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to dig into today's reading? Let's consider it. Verse 1. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, this is most certainly one of the silliest chapter breaks in the Bible. This verse belongs with what we considered last time. Remember that masters might be considered the modern equivalent of bosses, with bondservants being their employees. If we use that idiom, then Paul is reminding the bosses, hey, you got a boss too, one up in heaven, the Lord Jesus. He summons the employers then to allow that thought to impact how they treat their employees. As in, the Lord Jesus is watching all you do. Never forget it. What would be pleasing to him? Paul's answer to that is, treat them justly. Treat them fairly. Which means not taking advantage of employees. Paying them a decent wage for their work and treating them with dignity and consideration. They are serving you, but you are also serving them. Ambrosi Aster, writing in the 4th century, says, Paul implies that God has created all persons to be freeborn, and saying this to keep masters from arrogance. Slavery is itself a sign of iniquity in the world, of the curse of Cain. In fact, the wise person is always free, though a slave outwardly, while it is foolish sinners who are true slaves. And with that last admonition to masters, Paul leaves the table of duties with words for various vocations and returns to addressing himself to all Christians in general. Verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It is striking, don't you think, how often Paul returns to these two thoughts. The Christian life is to be one of continuous prayer, and that prayer is to be peppered with thanksgiving. Like the disciples in the garden with Jesus, our fallen nature can find the work of prayer to be wearisome. But Paul wants to encourage us not to give up in prayer. Here are St. John Chrysostom's words on this passage, which he preached to his congregation in 4th century Antioch. Paul realizes that continuing in prayer can frequently produce restlessness. Therefore, he writes, watching, that is, be sober, avoid wandering. For the devil knows, yes, he knows how great a good prayer is. Hence, he presses heavily on us as we pray. And Paul also knows how careless many are when they pray. Thus, he says, continue in prayer as something that takes hard work, watching therein with thanksgiving. For let this, Paul says, be your work to give thanks in your prayers, both for the seen and the unseen, for his benefits to the willing and to the unwilling, for the kingdom, for hell, for tribulation, and for refreshment. This is how the saints normally pray, giving thanks for the benefits shared by all. I once heard about how we might continue in prayer with thanksgiving. It was a miserable, cold, rainy evening. 
in winter in Scotland. And the pastor got into the pulpit and he always began with a prayer of thanksgiving. We thank you most heartily, almighty God and Father. Well, there was a pause that night and he continued, that you don't make every day as miserable as today. Ha! See, if you think about it, there's always something to be thankful for, even in the most difficult and trying of times. And I think Chrysostom was really on to something when he suggested that we need to work in our prayers on thanksgiving. And speaking of prayer, Paul has a special request for these saints. Verse 3, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul, you will remember from the start of the epistle, had been in constant prayer for them. Now he asks them to join in prayer for us, that would be Paul and Timothy, that God would open to us a door for the word. Even though he's sitting in prison, prison is not what occupies his thoughts. Paul is concerned with the opportunities to speak the word. You get a flavor of this in Philippians, Philippians 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Praetorium Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Even though the apostle was locked up, the word of God was not at all bound. It was free. And it went on doing its freeing work right under Caesar's own nose. Paul landed in prison for declaring the mystery of Christ. That is, for preaching that in Jesus, all the promises of God in the scriptures have been fulfilled. And that he is even now on the throne of the universe. And that he will return in triumph on the last day as the judge of the living and the dead. So Paul realized that being in prison was not an excuse to stop working for the spread of the gospel. It just changed the venue where he was preaching. And so the gospel kept on spreading. And listen to what Paul asks them to pray for him in this regard. Verse 4, That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Not that I may get out of here. Not that I would not be unjustly condemned and killed. The only thing Paul asked them to pray for him was that he would be able to make the gospel of God's grace in Jesus clear to all to whom he spoke. And how important it is that we speak that word clearly, because it's so contrary to every natural inclination and thought of humanity. Paul knew that he needed the help of the Spirit to proclaim it with the clarity it requires, and that's what he's asking them to pray for. And as a pastor, let me tell you, That is the best prayer you guys could ever pray for your pastor or for every preacher of the word. Lord, let them speak your word with all clarity. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Outsiders, of course, means those who are outside of Christ. They're alien to all the joy and the peace which Christians have come to taste and enjoy in him. They don't know what it is to live in this life. Under the blood of Jesus, with all sins forgiven, with death itself defeated, with the promise of a heavenly inheritance, they're outsiders to all this. So, Paul says to walk in wisdom in your dealings with them. Now, if you remember your old King James Version, it says redeeming the time. 
That's the literal translation of the Greek, buying back the time. It's as though Paul said, look, you know what Christ has done for you and for all the world. You're headed to the glorious kingdom and the joys of resurrection. So while you're still living here in this world with its old time that's winding down to death, you need to buy that time back for God's purposes. Keep your eyes peeled for opportunities to share the hope that you have in Christ. But he wants you to do this in a most respectful way. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I don't think Paul means that your speech should be gracious in the sense of lovely or pretty or even sublime. He rather means let your speech be filled with God's grace. Let that grace of God in Jesus Christ be your theme, your chief talking point. And to do this in such a way that it leaves the attentive hearer wanting more about this Jesus. Salt, after all, stirs up thirst. That's why bars are happy to give you free pretzels and potato chips or anything that's coated in salt, because that way you'll buy more of the drink they're selling. So when we share the gospel, the very best sign that it's been heard and received is when people demand more. Tell us more about this. Paul suggests that with our words filled up with God's grace in Jesus, leading people to want more and more of him, we'll know how we ought to answer each person who asks us to account for the hope that we have in Jesus, as it reads in 1 Peter 3.15. That's where we're going to call our hiatus for today. Next up, unlike Ephesians, Paul closes Colossians with a number of greetings, so many that we'll have to cover it in two parts. First, We'll hear about Tychicus and Onesimus, then Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, who's called Justice. These were Paul's companions among the circumcision. That is, they were native Jews, and he found their ministry to him in Rome a great comfort indeed. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.